Locked on NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network host. Today, we'll stop in Memphis to speak with Sean Coleman of Locked On Grizzlies about Memphis and their play-in chances and the way things are traveling at the moment as they stumble a little bit towards the finish line. We also go to Washington to speak with Ben Mahich of Locked On Wizards about one of the hottest teams in the NBA and how the Wizards have taken themselves from being way out of playoff discussions to being a team that is definitely going to be in that play-in game. And then lastly, we speak to Kane Pittman of Locked On Bucks about Milwaukee's chances in the playoffs this season and how things have been traveling for them. It's all coming up. The biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. We are one week away from the end of the NBA's regular season before we head into the play-in game. So lots for us to discuss. So let's get to it. Now let's talk to the host of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Sean Coleman is here with me. Sean, the Grizzlies currently um, you're sitting in the play-in game mix, half a game out of the eight seed. How would you say that the recent form of the Grizzlies is looking? Jaron Jackson's back, moved into the starting lineup on the weekend. Are they are they likely to push forward into that um, into that seven eight slot? We'll see. Um, they uh, th- Their schedule does them a bit of favor. Um, their play does not. So, obviously, we've got the uh, uh, the Pelicans uh, tomorrow night uh, with or Monday night without Zion and Brandon Ingram. We do have Luka and the Mavericks the night after that. But then we've got the Kings for two. And then, of course, we've got that Warriors game, which may be an 8-9 play-in, basically, a default you know, play-in game in itself. Um, but so the schedule does us some favors. Jared Jackson Jr.'s play has certainly been significant. But Josh, I'll be honest with you, fatigue has certainly kept caught up with this team. I know they're the youngest team in the league. You wouldn't think fatigue would have an impact on them. But with the condensed schedule and the fact that what the Grizzlies do so well, points off turnovers, creating turnovers, second chance points, fast break, fatigue is going to have more of an impact on their success than it would most other teams. So I think fatigue and also the fact that our offense is basically performing towards the bottom of the league across the board, uh, those things are quite concerning. So certainly think we can make a push, but we're going to have to significantly improve offensively to be able to make that push. Yeah, I think they've, they've shot themselves in the foot a little bit here with losses to the Pistons and to the Magic in the last five games, which are teams that aren't even trying to win. And that's obviously not ideal for this for this Grizzly squad because those couple of games could be really important. And you talk about fatigue. like You've got Ja Moran, who's played 37 minutes or more in the last four games. Dylan Brooks has played 35 minutes or more in three of the last four games. And one of those games, he fouled out. So they're really, really pushing these guys hard to, to get those wins. And it is resulting in, in some issues there. Now, in terms of, Jaron, you talked about the schedule coming up. It's very compressed. That's five games and seven nights coming up um, with two back-to-backs. Is Jaron cleared to play in those back-to-backs yet? It's not official as of yet. Uh, They're going to take it game by game. It looks like that the starting lineup idea, he's going to be in the starting lineup. I would imagine that he probably sits at least one of those games. I think the Grizzlies' goal probably is to go two and two over their next four games and have everybody in as good a shape as possible 
for that game against Golden State a week from today. So I would say that we could see Jaron probably, uh, you know, sit at least one, maybe even two. I, I think that they're going to ride out uh, the idea of him, um, you know, sitting at least one um, of the back-to-back games for the rest of the season. There's been some criticism of Taylor Jenkins and the front office uh, at times over the last few weeks or, or month. Sean, regarding the rotation, the move to have Justice Winslow play as the uh, as the backup point guard, which has now ended. Tyus Jones is back in that spot. The Some of the rotation decisions with Jackson coming off the bench instead of starting. The decision to move Brandon Clark in and out of the rotation. DeAnthony Melton in and out of the rotation. Um, how would you grade Taylor Jenkins's performance this season? With you know, there's been some relatively loud criticism coming uh, about some of these recent decisions. I would give him a B plus. I think overall, the fact that he has developed the depth as he had, and the fact that without many of his best players for you know significant stretches of time, especially Jaron, you know, even Jaw and Jonas and others, you know, in the first half of the season. I do think that that he's done a great job developing and helping this team create an identity, especially defensively. But I do think it's fair to criticize. I think that as far as the rotations, there still is the goal of looking at, you know, combinations now, getting an idea of what they could be like for the future. You know, that's been the stated goal of the front office this entire season. And overall, for Taylor Jenkins himself, there has been, you know, uh, some questionable decisions when it comes to, you know, obviously his handling of Melton. You know, he should be starting, though he did close with him last night against the Raptors for the last seven minutes of the game. That certainly has been encouraging, but also some of the crunch time decision or clutch time, clutch um, time decisions last five minutes of the game. So I think in terms of some of his coaching decisions, there certainly can be criticism, but it's a reminder also that he's in the second year of his career. You know, he's growing with this team as they grow and still learning much about this team, you know, because we haven't had a full roster healthy for quite a while. So I'd give him a B plus. His strengths have been developing and creating identity for this team and keeping them afloat in the playoff decisions. But yes, there have been a few games where you had hoped he would add value with his decisions and he is not. So I think a B plus probably is a fair grade. So let's say the Grizzlies end up in that uh, in that nine seed slot. They'll have to take on the Spurs, who are it feels like in free fall at the moment with some of their their level of play. So the Grizzlies, I guess, would feel relatively confident about being able to at least win that first nine ten matchup. But what would you say? Yeah, the the overall feeling is uh, around this team about actually making the you know, the best of seven playoffs, about getting in and uh, and winning and getting into that eight eight spot probably, which is the best they're going to be able to do. Yeah, I think that for the Grizzlies, the best thing for them to be able to do, I mean, it's going to have to be to get that eighth spot. Because when you look at them getting that nine spot, that means that they're going to travel to Golden State, then come back, you know, two days later and face like, the Spurs more than likely in that nine to 10 game. I feel confident they'll beat the Spurs. Just I think they're more talented. And just in terms of depth overall, I think they'll beat the Spurs. But then they come back and then they'll have to go right back and likely at this point have to play either LeBron or Steph Curry, you know, on their home court. So overall, the chances of making the playoffs, if the Grizzlies don't get the eighth seed, you know, even then, I'm not necessarily that confident. But if the Grizzlies get the ninth seed and then have to go either to L.A. or to Golden State or, or maybe, you know, Portland, for instance, um, I, I just don't feel confident in that setup. So right now I would say it, there's a little bit less confident or more confidence they won't make it than they will just because of the setup of having to go back out to the West Coast and face, obviously, LeBron or Steph in the current setup. 
Yeah, that is going to be tough. Yeah, you, you, you win through, and then you have to take on one of those two, one of those two players almost definitely in that scenario. Um, it, it does make it. And even if it isn't LeBron, maybe it's yeah, Portland that drops down to that spot. And you're going to take on Damian Lillard, which seems impossible at this point. But yeah, things can happen. So it, it's never going to be an, an easy path through to things. Um, yeah, if the Grizzlies say you know only make the play and, and not the playoffs, Sean, would you grade this season as a, a success or a failure, or is it just not as simple as that? Oh, for me, it's always been a success because, you know, after last year with how we exceeded expectations, me and others have kind of, you know, the best way to put it is we kind of played this season with house money. If we make the playoffs, wonderful. That means that our young um, core, our young team gains valuable experience, knows how to get through adversity and make the playoffs. That's a great scenario. If we don't make the playoffs in a draft whose strength and the depth of its strength matches exactly with the biggest need that we have going forward in terms of wing talent, getting as good a pick as possible is going to obviously be um, successful. Now, I, unlike most, I have always kind of wanted to get, be in the lottery to get as good a pick as possible with the future in mind. So regardless, the team is going to be disappointed. You know, and at this point, I can certainly say folks are going to be less than satisfied if we don't make the playoffs. But at the end of the day, I think any outcome is going to be successful because with the future in mind, you either gain valuable experience or if you don't get that playoff opportunity, you gain an opportunity to have a very valuable pick. And with a competent front office, there's a lot of things you can do with that for the future. Well, it is going to be intriguing. This play-in game is going to be pretty huge, I think, for the NBA, and the Grizzlies are going to be right in the thick of that. Sean, they can hear your takes all on Memphis over on Locked On Grizzlies. Thanks for coming on Locked On NBA with me. Always a pleasure, Josh. Thanks for your great work and another great year for you, sir. You're the hiring expert for your company, and what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster, and only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications, and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately, and Indeed skills test that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. And you can get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Now let's go to Washington to speak to one of the hosts of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Ben Mehich is here with me. Ben, the Wizards are one of the hottest teams in the NBA at the moment. They've won, what, seven out of their last 10 games. They are very firmly in the play-in mix. It'd be pretty hard for them to fall out now. There's still a chance that they could work their way into the eighth seed as well. Um, before we talk about the the recent news, what, what do you think this turnaround has been due to? Well, I mean, the recent news, I think, ties in perfectly with their turnaround, given the fact that Russell Westbrook was injured earlier in the year. And we learned the severity of his injury just a few days ago when someone asked him uh, in a post-game press conference, you know, why he's playing better all of a sudden. And he kind of flippantly mentioned the fact that he had played with a torn quad uh, earlier this season, which I had never heard of an NBA player kind of nonchalantly playing through a torn quad. And we saw it in his game because he hadn't dunked the basketball in months. Um 
He didn't look as quick. He looked hesitant to drive to the basket. He was settling. He didn't look like the Russell Westbrook we knew even in Houston. But now he's healthy and he's playing the Russell Westbrook brand of basketball that the Washington Wizards expected when they traded John Wall for him. And honestly, largely, I think the the turnaround is in large part due to the fact that the Wizards have an all-NBA caliber player in Russell Westbrook again. Yeah, he's been amazing. Like, and his his play at the start of the season was, I think, really negatively impacting the team because you talk about that hesitancy and inability to drive and dunk and finish, and he was taking ill-advised mid-range twos, which were poor shots for most NBA players, let alone a, a player like Westbrook, who's not the greatest of shooter. Uh, in general so it, there was really an issue there but he has turned it on of late he's putting up huge numbers consistently contributing to to winning with this team and they're doing that with the uh, injuries you know, causing problems here down the stretch rookie Denny Abdia who was starting for a chunk of the season he's out now so they're, they're going with this weird three guard liner with Hull Neto next to Beal and Westbrook in there and that's having success Scott Brooks has been criticized you know a lot by me as well in terms of that three center rotation but you're getting results out of it. Um, and the Wizards are one of the hottest teams in the NBA. But, Ben, the news today is not ideal. Bradley Beal is going to miss Wednesday's game with a hamstring. They, they say that he is day-to-day. But you never want your star player dealing with a hamstring problem a week away from the end of the season. Yeah, it's it's definitely a bummer of a thing. I mean, you mentioned it's sort of been a consistent trend with the Wizards. They've been plagued by injuries. It started with Thomas Bryant tearing his ACL early in the season, continued with Russell Westbrook. Now he got healthy. And of course, you mentioned the Denny Avdia injury. Um, yeah, it's been it's been kind of difficult. Um, thankfully, the MRI came clean for for Brad Beal earlier. Um, obviously, the hamstring is, is, is a sort of a nagging thing. Um, Brad relies on his explosiveness plenty. He's been driving to the basket uh, pretty regularly. I imagine that a hamstring injury would kind of hinder his ability to do that. But um, he, after the game, said that he's going to be okay. He seemed very uh, happy. Obviously, a win would contribute to his joy. But I think generally it doesn't seem as big of a big deal. Maybe I'm being optimistic in that way. But you're right. The timing of it is definitely unfortunate. It's uncomfortable. They're just a week away from, you know, playing games that truly matter for them. And But I think, Brad, I think hopefully the resting these next few days or these next few games, whatever the case may be, he's back to 100%. I mean, he's the sort of player, unlike Russell Westbrook and John Wall, I think he's learned that uh, it's probably best to be cautious and, and not to play through injuries. So I think maybe this could be a little bit of that because I think if it was a playoff game, he would probably be able to play through something like this. But maybe I'm just being optimistic. But all in all, I, I don't think it'll end up being that big of a deal. I think that the, the worry you have there with Beal is you know, hamstring injuries. We've seen that problem with James Harden and Kevin Durant in Brooklyn as they you know, maybe underplay the severity of it early on. And then Harden tried to come back twice and it's cost him, what, about four or five weeks now with that injury. And Beal, just a couple of weeks ago, was having this weird problem where he had this hip issue. He's like, oh, it's not muscular. It's just a nerve problem. You go, okay, that's not ideal. And yeah, those sort of lower body injuries where you're compensating for things, they can start to add up. So while it's all great news to hear the MRI is clean and that he's day-to-day, there is, uh, I guess, a, a trend here happening with Beal and some of these yeah, lower body leg type situations situations which which could be a problem if not managed correctly do you think the wizards um will play it extra cautious here or do they you know want to really push to get themselves into that double chance eight slot for the plane or you know will they just say well we we actually need Beal to be healthy and we think we can get it done regardless yeah again i think brad is, is has learned from john wall i think john wall made some pretty critical mistakes early in his career just because that's the sort of person he is he wanted he wants to play through injuries he played through a broken hand in the semifinals against the Atlanta Hawks just a few seasons ago and I think Brad saw this sort of taking a toll on John and we're seeing it right now John Wall is missing the rest of the season for the Houston Rockets so I think he learned from his teammates mistakes I don't think 
uh, Brad will want to play through this, um, knowing that the Wizards are going to play much more important games soon. So the Wizards, all in all, though, have been kind of curiously managing their injuries. If if Russ, as he says, played through a torn quad uh, earlier this year, that's questionable because obviously um, he had a negative impact on the team, as you said, and it didn't help the team in any way and obviously didn't help Russ. So um, I think if, if, if it's anything uh, to be said this year, I think the Wizards uh, did a fairly questionable job managing injuries. But I, I'm very confident in Brad knowing that um, he's cared a lot about his body. He's changed his body a lot. And, and I think um, he, he seems to be a lot more aware of the, I think, future consequences of maybe playing through pain than, than maybe even the Washington Wizards are. How how important has the you know, the the depth pieces been? You know, guys like Ish Smith and Hal Neto and Garrison Matthews stepping up because they're not names that people will be you know, really correlating with high level success. But when players have gone down, like these guys have stepped up, and we had Ish Smith miss about six weeks or so with a pretty significant leg injury earlier in the season as well. Like these players, who again they are unheralded type players, but they've been huge contributors to this Wizards team making this run. Yeah, and I think uh, we'd be remiss not to mention Daniel Gafford. I mean, the real turnaround sort of happened when the Wizards made a pretty like inconsequential seemingly trade when they traded Troy Brown, who was not playing anyway for Chandler Hutchinson and, and uh, Daniel Gafford. And really that trade was kind of an indictment on the Wizards, given that they had traded Troy, who was a high first round pick for Daniel Gafford, who was a second round pick and couldn't get playing time on the Chicago Bulls. And the only games he had played well were games against the Washington Wizards. So that was kind of odd. And But the Wizards needed a, an athletic big man, someone who can defend, block shots, and rebound. And uh, again, Daniel Gafford was a relatively unknown name, but he stepped up and he gave the Wizards exactly what they needed. He's been incredible defensively. He's been the lob threat that the Wizards haven't had since JaVale McGee. So um, I think he's really contributed to the turnaround. Like you said, Howell Neto as well. I mean, he's the Wizards. Uh, it's funny. I mean, they trade John Wall and then they start to patch these holes that they've had since drafting John Wall. They haven't had a real backup point guard for years. I mean, they tried with Tomas Sadoransky. Scott Brooks just refused to play him at point guard. Flew in Ty Lawson from China on like a 10-day notice to replace Sadoransky in the playoffs. Then they had Brandon Jennings. I mean, the list goes on and on with these random point guards that they've had. But Howell Neto and Ish Smith have done an incredible job filling in for Russ and Brad when they've been out. Um, two really solid guards. And Howell Neto, I think, has outplayed his veteran minimum that he got from Washington. And Robin Lopez as well. He's got this unstoppable hook shot. If you talk, I didn't even realize he had this in his arsenal. I'm not sure he did either. All of a sudden, he's shooting 67% from hook shot. Uh, he's, he has the highest uh, percentage of hook shots in the league. It's been a, a, a go-to sort of play for the Wizards. They're kind of a weird team. These these weird signings that they had in the offseason are starting to pay off for Tommy Shepard. And I think Wizards are starting to see that uh, maybe this guy is a little bit better than Ernie Grunfeld. And, and it's starting to work out. We're finally starting to see the Wizards team that Ernie Grunfeld, I think, and the fan base expected to see early in this in the year. Um, the trades, the ones that didn't seem to matter, are starting to matter. Even Chandler Hutchinson has stepped up, played some good defense. He's added some athleticism. So going forward, if nothing else, the Wizards seem to have a decent roster, players that can develop, and I think some hope, which the Wizards fans desperately needed, especially after the beginning of the year where basically everything that could go wrong started to go wrong. Well, you brought it up. I wasn't going to talk about it, but you brought it up. Now, you talked about Daniel Gaffin and how important he's been. So let's we've been all positive here with the Wizards. So why does Scott Brooks wait until there's five minutes left in the, uh, in the, in the first half before he plays and, and has him... I don't know what that beeping sound is, but he, he has him as the, uh, the, third, the third string center 
uh, on this squad. You're sometimes you're playing in 15 minutes. Then when asked about it, he'll say, yeah, he deserves more minutes and then plays in fewer minutes. What is the issue there? Where It is clear, maybe you disagree, but it seems clear to me that he is the team's best center. And yeah, playing as that third guy who doesn't get in until there's five minutes to go in the, in the second quarter seems a curious decision. Yeah, it's kind of been the Scott Brooks experience, I think, since he became a head coach in the NBA. Um, if He's kind of rocking with this, if it ain't broke, don't fix it sort of mentality where Alex Len is starting, Robin Lopez comes in for some random minutes, and then Daniel Gafford comes in late in the game, um, looks highly uh, athletic, uh, gives them uh, the key defense that they've been missing in an anchor in the paint. But Scott Brooks, I think he's of the thinking that, you know, what we're doing right now is working. We're winning games. We're we're gonna probably end up in a play and if not a playoff spot with this rotation so why try and tinker with it i agree with you though i think he daniel gafford has shown to be the most impactful center on this team he's exactly what this team needed i think he's um, overplayed his expectations and i think he's shown that he could be you know a budding young player in the league where uh, the wizards needed a rim runner someone that can catch lobs wherever they're thrown as russ and brad said so uh, it would be nice if he would play more minutes because I think if he did, um, you'd see the upside of this team kind of increase. But that's just the Scott Brooks experience. I think that's just not – it's just not going to change. It's It's been this way sort of all year long where his rotations have been odd. I mean, just last year um, he was playing – you know, uh, players who aren't even in the NBA right now over a player like Troy Brown. Troy Brown, who started in in, in the bubble and looked very good, averaged around 15 points, seven rebounds, and like five assists, all of a sudden just doesn't play at all this year. So uh, it's kind of been his rotations, just I guess, simply put, haven't been um, Scott Brooks's calling card this year, maybe even his entire career. So uh, that's a development to watch going forward. And if the Wizards ultimately do make a coaching change, I wouldn't be surprised if that's part of their rationale and i think that's a storyline that that uh, maybe deserves another discussion but something that wizards fans certainly have in their heads as this team is picking up play and starting to win games it is going to be interesting to see what happens there but every game that the wizards win and they they push towards the playoffs probably strengthens brooks's case to come back which i'm sure many wizards fans will be frustrated about but we'll see how that all plays out over the coming weeks ben thanks for coming on lock on locked on nba to talk about the wizards with me of course, Josh. Thanks for, for thanks for having me on. And if you guys want more Wizards content, make sure to listen to uh, Lockdown Wizards. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season and the NBA, those seasons are in full swing. And you can track all of the action at Bet Online and get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and all of your UFC action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using our promo code locked on bet online are your online sportsbook experts built bar is the best tasting protein bar ever have you had one of those protein bars where you go, oh, I've got to eat this because it's, it's good for me but it just tastes like dirt well built bar are not only delicious but they are healthy as well nine delicious flavors including coconut raspberry cherry double chocolate salted caramel there's something for everyone so you need to go find your favorite flavor. And if you don't know what your favorite flavor is, why don't you try a mixed box where you get 18 bars, two of every flavor. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein with just 130 calories and only four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs. So if you go to builtbar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at builtbar.com. 
Now let's talk to the host of the Locked On Bucks podcast. Kane Pittman is here with me. Kane, the Milwaukee Bucks at the time of us recording this are currently sitting in third spot. They are half a game behind the Nets with a game in hand. Um, how how desperate or important do you think they've got five games in seven days coming up? Um, so yeah, they prioritizing health and you know, maybe resting Giannis and and Middleton and and Drew Holiday during that. Yeah. It's- it's going to be really interesting to see, particularly how they handle those back-to-backs. As you mentioned, a bunch of games here, and it's always it always feels to me like a lose-lose situation because you can go hard for the home court. Uh, that kind of goes against what the Bucks have done all season long in terms of resting players, the way that they've played and experimented and tried different things to get to the last week of the regular season and really push for the seed. But it could be significant. I mean, the Nets and the Bucks have played three times this season. Each game has gone to the home team. Uh, Milwaukee had two of those, so. It's going to be fascinating. I mean, I think you would love to get to a second round series, which we anticipate is going to happen. Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and have game one, but most importantly, perhaps game seven at home. So I think it is significant, but I also think what we've learned through the season is that the Bucks aren't going to take any risk with the, with the player like Giannis or Drew or, or Chris Milton. Well, I think what they, they can look forward to here is that first back-to-back Monday, Tuesday of the week, the second game is against Orlando, who at the time yeah, of us recording yeah. this are losing by about 75 points to the Timberwolves. So <laughs> I think if I think if the Bucks rested a few blokes here, I reckon they might be pretty safe in getting that victory. They also have a game against the banged-up Pacers on Thursday, and the Bulls should be out of it by the, uh, the last game of the season on Sunday as well. So that could be an easy one. So there's going to be, if not full-on full rest, at least in-game opportunities to uh, to sit guys down, I would say, uh, over the course of this week um, against some opponents who are, who are struggling a little bit at the moment. But you mentioned that those Brooklyn games um, we saw recently, the, the two games, not back-to-back, but two games in a row against Brooklyn. What do you take out of those two victories if you are Mike Budenholzer? Well, I think the big thing for Milwaukee is that in both of those games, they were trailing by six points early in the fourth quarter, and they were able to offensively get it going, which I think is important because as much as everyone talks about the defense when it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks, for me, the issues they've had have been offensively in the postseason the last couple of years, particularly in the half court. So I think what you saw in those two fourth quarters against Brooklyn was that the addition of Drew Holiday just allows this team to to do just a bunch more different things. They can give him the ball, which allows them to play Giannis off the ball. Then they can use Chris Middleton uh, around screens and get him in positions that he likes to be in. So I think offensively they would have taken a lot from that. Uh, admittedly, it was against Brooklyn, who are far from a defensive juggernaut. But you know, in any series against the Nets, whether or not James Harden is there, which he wasn't in those games, you're going to have to score 120 points. I mean, you're going to have to put points on the board. So I think the fact that they were able to steady and, and score in those fourth quarters and pick up both wins coming from behind was was significant. How tight do you reckon the Milwaukee Schwinkters will get if they have to take on Miami in that first round. Now, at this point, the Heat are in the sixth seed. The Bucks are in the three seed. Um, if they move to the two seed, Milwaukee, then it's probably going to be Boston in that position. Now, Miami could win and get ahead of the Hawks and, and move into the five seed. But a Bucks miami first round series, yeah, I don't, I don't think those demons have been completely excised from last season. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, this has clearly been a talking point on Locked on Bucks for the last few weeks. And I think at this point... Uh, you just I don't think Milwaukee can look at the, the standings and, and really care about that because we saw the year before it was kind of a similar situation where they came up against the Boston team that had beaten them in the postseason the year before. Uh, there was some real anxiety. It felt like, certainly in the city of Milwaukee, that the Bucks were going to fail to the Celtics again. They ended up beating them in five games. And I think if, if Milwaukee are a genuine contender, 
they should be able to handle a Miami team that, let's be honest, has been up and down all season long. So I think it would be certainly a mental challenge. I mean, to get that team in the first round that you clearly have bad memories uh, about from last year. But uh, I don't think that it should be something that they should be concerned about. But certainly, if there's no easy first round matchups. Think about who the Bucks have had the last two seasons. Detroit, they beat them by an average of 30 points in a sweep. Last year, they had the Orlando Magic. That's not the case this year. So I, I just think that when I look at it, Miami would be a tough first round matchup. Boston would be a tough first round matchup. I think Charlotte, the way that they've been playing and the way they can score the ball would be tricky as well. So I think rather than looking at this, the simple matchup of Miami, I think either way, it's going to be a bit of a challenge, no doubt. Yeah, it is going to be really interesting. You're right. They have been the superior team all season. Miami's had their struggles. Boston's obviously had their struggles. And that's why they currently sit in the sixth and seventh seed as we speak. But you know, when you look at those matchups and some of those issues that you've seen over the past couple of years, there is going to be some level of worry with how that looks, at least from the outside looking in. But the Bucks need to be able to you know, clear, that, clear that noise out. Now... Kane's been lots of talk, you know, MVP chatter. Nicole Jokic has got it wrapped up. Oh, what about Chris Paul? But no one's mentioning uh, the two-time reigning MVP. Do you <laughs> think he's got a, a case for the MVP award or you know, at the very least a top three finish? Yeah, we recently did the, the straw poll, the ESPN straw poll, and I, I think I had Giannis fourth on my ballot, but we did do that a couple of weeks ago, and he just missed four games, I, I believe it was, with that uh, left knee sprain. And I think that really quelled any momentum that he had. I think before he went down with that knee sprain, everyone, I think, was starting to realize, can we really deny the fact that Giannis is right in this race, particularly with Joel Embiid out at that point there? I mean, he's had an enormous season. When you look at the numbers, they are pretty close to where they were last season. 27 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, a steal, a block, shooting. Uh, this is a post-All-Star break, 35% from three as well so he's been extraordinary i think he should be in the top three um we understand why he's not in the conversation though once you win two in a row you have to do something completely out of this world to get in that uh, conversation there but yeah there's there's no denying that i think it's been underrated how excellent this season has been from him yeah that's i think that's the best way of phrasing it he's been yeah consistently great yet it just flies completely under the radar <laughs> with with the way that you know, other guys who have stepped their games up. And while we might say that Giannis has stepped his game up, has he stepped it up more than some of these other players <laughs> like Embiid and Jokic who have taken most of the uh, the air out of the MVP race for, for majority of this season? Kane, it is going to be super intriguing to watch Milwaukee, what happens over these last five games, where they sit in the playoffs, and if they can push through and get to the conference finals and the NBA finals. You'll cover it for us all over on Locked on Bucks. Thanks for coming on Locked on NBA with me. I love it, mate. Anytime. And that'll do it for another episode of Locked On NBA. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the new Odyssey app. Go and leave us five-star reviews. That's a great way of helping out. Also, share it with your friends. Put it on your social media if you do enjoy the show. Guys, follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball as well. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.